All right, it is a very special edition of this Cubs Weekly Podcast presented by Wintrust, proud partner of the Chicago Cubs and the only place to get your Cubs debit card. Get yours today at Wintrust.com slash Cubs. Now, when I say very special, unless you've been living under a rock, of course, you know the Cubs and Marquee Sports Network made the announcement that the new voice of the Chicago Cubs is the one and only John Boog Shiambi, former voice of the Braves, the Marlins, you know him from ESPN and, and just sitting alongside David Ross and Rick Sutcliffe, Cubs legends. And now, well, Boog, you get to call Cubs games. It's a role that we heard Len Casper in. We heard Harry Carey in, Jack Brickhouse for so many years. And now you get to add your name to the legendary list, man. How did it all come about? Yeah, it's, it's funny because I've known Len a long time and, you know, the announcement was made that he was leaving and I, I was really more connected on, you know, my buddy. And then I started to really process, you know, just how special the job is. And, you know, even when you just introduced me, I kind of flashed to the idea that I've called a lot of games at Wrigley Field. I mean, definitely triple digits but I've never called a game as the home broadcaster and that's a totally different bag. And that, that's the, the thing that I'm here for. And I'm, I'm super excited about. So, you know, it's just one of these deals where we just kind of found each other, but you know, Mike McCarthy and Mike Santini were, um, you know, we're, we're straightforward about being interested. And so was I. So, and I'm, I could not be more excited. It's been, I, I haven't gotten a ton of sleep and it's been, it's been an <laughs> odd thing just because I've been, I've been excited. I just been, you know, yesterday was an amazing day. Yesterday will certainly go down as one of the most memorable days of my life. Absolutely. Now you called Brave games, you called Marlins games, but there's just something special about that Chicago Cub mystique. Yeah. Like you said, you, you've been excited. You haven't gotten any sleep just to know. John, that you are the voice of the Chicago Cubs. It's one of those special teams, one of those crown jewels in all of Major League Sports. Uh, it's got to be a pretty special feeling. Cause I, I know when when I when I was able to lock things up, and, and Mike and Mike were talking with myself. You know, it was like a dream come true, and I, hopefully, it was for you as well. Absolutely, and I mean, it's it's the Cubs. I've had people. You know, I've been doing national stuff for the last ten years. And you mentioned I did the Marlins and the Braves, so I know what it's like doing a local team. You know, I've had a couple of people say or ask about, you know, going back to the daily grind of working for a team. You know, this is this is doing the Cubs. Hmm. Now, that's different. It's just it's bigger. It's more. And it's one of the things that's always made my trips to Wrigley so special is how important baseball is to Cubs fans and you know, GN had a lot to do with cultivating the interest beyond, you know, the Chicago area. Yeah. And, you know, I, I'm humbled that they picked me and it's, it's an honor and there's responsibility with it as well. Well, we're honored that you chose the job and we're glad to have you as part of the team. Now, what was it actually like trying to navigate some of the, the interview process and, and, and some of those waters, not only being at the holiday season, but also everything with, with COVID-19 and all these restrictions in place, Boo. Yeah. I mean, look, it's as, it's as a zoom world. I mean, as I proved on the press conference yesterday, you can do 5,000 zoom calls. And then when you go and do the introductory press conference, you're muted. <laughs> it's not, not my finest moment, but 
I, you know, it's just, you're not in the same room. I'm comfortable in that setting. I will tell you that I'm comfortable when they just want to find out about me. They want to find out what I'm like. And I will say, I think that, you know, I'm 50 and I would say that I, I probably grown as a broadcaster in my forties. And I think I have because the guy that will make certain jokes or have fun or steal their steer the conversation in a certain way in this setting or on my couch is really similar to what you're going to get in the booth. I mean, I I've said, you know, one guy's opinion, I think as a play by play guy, whenever anybody goes for what's your style, what you're trying to do is take what you're like off the air and what you're like on the air and make the gap between those two things as small as possible. Okay. So when you have, uh, or when influences come to mind, anyone that you've ever tried to model your style after anyone that you grew up watching Boog, where you were like, you know what, that guy's really slick. I like what he does. I grew up a Phillies fan. Mm -hmm. I was born in Philadelphia. My parents met at Drexel in Philly. I moved when I was seven, but my, my dad's side got their hooks in me. So I was a Phillies fan. So I loved Harry Callis. So I still can remember the first time I was online at pro player stadium. I think it was 93 and, you know, back in the food room and the guy in front of me, I wasn't really paying attention. And all of a sudden you hear, I'll have some lasagna, green beans. And I was like, it's Harry Callis. So Harry Callis was my guy. I think all of us that do this, especially baseball, have the fantasy that we will be Vin Scully. And I think we all then realize that we don't have a thesaurus-like vocabulary and we can't write verbal poetry. And then we got to figure it out on our own. John Miller has certainly helped me a lot in the radio mm -hmm. side, you know, from you know, being a technician, Dave O'Brien's helped me. And then, you know, my journey over the last 20 years, I, I probably have spoken with Len about broadcasting as much as any other broadcaster as a peer, as a colleague. So, you know, those guys all influenced me in different ways. I think that, you know, it's not for me, I didn't try and model myself after everyone. I think as I've gotten older, I've realized what I'm trying to deliver is just be me. Okay. Well, you and I had a candid, you know, frank conversation yesterday and, you know, you were just being you and we just chopped things up and, you know, took this where the conversation went. And you said that uh, a few calls, a few DMs, a few text messages came in from some, some heavy hitters, you know, once that news broke, right? Yeah. I got, I mean, the one, the one, a, a number of the, the players have reached out, which is really nice. You know, I heard from Jason Hayward and Anthony Rizzo and Ian Happ, David Bodie, Kyle Hendricks, a, a bunch of guys, which was cool. I also, I got a, I got a DM from Christian Yelich who said, congratulations on the gig. I'm sorry. You're going to the dark side. So. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah we'll, we'll, we'll do with that with, I guess what we'll just take it as it is yeah. the dark side, Christian Yelich. Yeah. I don't know if, if, if Christian Yelich or any of the Milwaukee Brewers tune into the Cubs weekly podcast, but uh, yeah, there's going to be some games. There's going to be some, some back and forth be between the Cubs and the Brewers. And of course it's, it's going to be fun to see how things shake out. Now, now Boog, you had a, a Harry Callis story about him ordering lasagna and green beans up yeah. there. 
in the Philly press box. But, uh, you know, you also have a, a Harry Carey story. What, yeah. What was that encounter like? We'll keep it clean. Okay. So <laughs> my first broadcast in 1997 on the road, the Marlins played the Cubs. So it's April. It's 30-something degrees. Oof. I finished the pregame show. I have to use the restroom. I run to the restroom. I have to go back and do the lineups before first pitch. So I'm scrambling. So I run, you know, the men's room at the, in the press box at Wrigley Field. It is two urinals, one stall. I go, I go to the bathroom real quick. I'm washing my hands. As I am washing my hands, Harry Carey walks in. He heads to nice. the stall. Now I'm drying my hands from the stall out loud, not to me, just out loud. At the comment, I hear, I have so many damn clothes on, I can't find my... <laughs> and I just look around, finish drying my hands, and I run back to the booth to go tell... Joe Angel, Tommy Hutton, and Dave O'Brien, because I was like, that's the greatest story ever. So that's my Harry Carey story. I, I think that that may have been the only interaction that I had with him in the, you know, the two years that we, or the year and a half that we intersected. That's what I was going to ask. Did you ever have any personal interaction outside of, you know, that, 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 that outburst in, in, in the restroom? I, you know, I'm, I'm glad to know that there, it wasn't involving any troughs, though. You know, we know that Wrigley yeah. Field and the troughs that they, they they can cause some precarious situations if you if you've never been in those before and I know you have now I also saw that you you tweeted out a picture of your food John the other day uh, it was a picture of you know looks like some nice scrambled eggs uh, some some fresh berries I didn't quite know what that the green glob in front was I, I'm I'm still trying to work somebody, somebody credit like. Uh... Somebody, somebody commented, big ups for the nice scoop of pistachio ice cream at nine in the morning. Yeah, I, I didn't was, think that's what it was. But it was, <laughs> it, no, it was, it was, it was homemade guacamole. So it was avocado, you know? So we're getting okay. some good fats in there. And, there I, and like, as I was taking the picture of it, I was sitting there thinking to myself, I'm really, I'm turning into this dude. I'm the photograph, the food guy now. It's terrible. It's all right. I mean, they have settings on your phone now. You know, it, they have one for for portrait, for high sun, yeah. also for food. So it's it's not out of the ordinary. But the one, they do. At least they do on on my phone. I have a, I have a, a, an Android. I won't I won't divulge the name brand, but you know my 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 camera and the pictures far superior. Even though the bubbles yeah, when we when how, we test how, how texting work out for you on a plane. Not great. Yeah, I just, so I just use one of those one of those alternate apps oh. that you can use when you're overseas. You, so you know how that goes. You're the green guy. You're the green guy. Yeah, my, my, my nine year old daughter just got a, got a phone for Christmas, and her and, and my wife are sitting there, and I'm, I'm I'm taking ridicule as I'm walking down the stairs because look look at Dad's bubble on the text messages. It's who, like who screws up every group thread? Cole does. That, yeah, I guess that that's me. That that's me. But you know, the one thing in that picture, uh, Boog, that, that jumped out to me was. Uh, you had some socks in the top corner. I don't know if you, you meant to put those. Absolutely, absolutely. Like I mean, you know, Wu Tang is for the children, as Old Dirty once once said. Who's who's your favorite member of Wu Tang, and who's your least favorite? So, so I'm I'm not like a. I got those from my little brother. I mean, okay. like, but I 
I like Wu Tang. I mean, I, I like Staten Island in the house. I, I mean, mm-hmm. I, I, I think that that there's a there's a great clip if you've ever seen it of I think it's Method Man and Red Man and Bill Murray in like a coffee shop, and it, it's okay. unbelievable where all of a sudden one of them is like. Yo, man, you Bill Murray? It's 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 incredible. <laughs> but yeah, it's it, and and he's serving them coffee. So okay, I, so that it's they're I like them. I I wouldn't I I would say I'm more like I mean in that genre I got more from back in like Run DMC, Tribe Called Quest stuff okay. like that. Okay, well, since, since we're on the topic of music, you know what's I guess you can't say you know what's in your CD player anymore. That would right, that right. would make us seem old, which we, we kind of are nowadays. I remember, you know, I'm, yeah. I'm sure you had a, a, a cassette bo- tape uh, box full in your car. You used to ride around with that. I'm, I'm sure once upon a time, but wh- who's on your playlist? Who, who, who do you like to go to? Who, who's your go-to group, individual artist? Who is it, man? I don't know that I would say that I have one. I definitely like singer songwriter stuff. So I, okay. you know, there, I, you know, Ben Howard's a guy that I really, that I really like. Um, you know, I'm a big Pearl Jam fan concert wise. I'm trying to think of some of the, the concerts that I saw before, before COVID, but I, I, I mean, I love New York city music scene and seeing, you know, arcade fire Madison square garden with spoon opening up for them. I really like the national, um, the guy from the national produced Taylor Swift's most recent album, which is kind of funky. So I'm all over the place. Um, yeah, I, I'm, I, I, it's, it's hard to pin me down, but I usually, I got music on. All right. Uh, have you ever seen Billy? You said you're a New York live music. Have you seen Billy Joel in concert? Because I, I, I've heard that Billy Joel at Wrigley Field was one of the best concerts of, of all time. So I saw Billy Joel at the garden. I took my dad. I'd never seen him maybe four years ago. And it was just one. I mean, I think Billy Billy Joel's greatest hits. I love every song. Scenes from Italian Restaurants, one of my favorites. But he played some Christmas songs, and he played most of of his greatest hits. I I thought uh, it was incredible. He every, I, I knew every song, and it was that's one of those you know people tell you how good a concert is going to be, and mm-hmm. it was every bit as good. It was exactly as good as everybody said it would be. Billy Joel, The Garden. Okay. Well, how about this one? How likely are you to use your influence when it comes to not only going to see Pearl Jam, but probably getting backstage and maybe getting on stage and singing Yellow Ledbetter with with, uh, Eddie Vedder? (laughs) No one wants me singing anything. Okay. I I will tell you that. I I don't know where we were, but somebody asked me if I am musically inclined. I have a cousin who is in a band there. It's a phenomenal band called Goodnight Texas. I had no musical ability whatsoever. I used to, when I was a little kid, remember you'd get the recorder. I could play Star Wars on the recorder. That's it. You don't want me anywhere near that. Um, I have gotten a chance to, uh, to meet Eddie Vedder uh, through Rick Sutcliffe. Um, and I've, yeah, I've, I've talked to him a, a, a couple of times. So I, but they don't want me out there singing and I don't need to be on stage. That is for sure. Nobody needs that. 
Yeah, Star Wars and Hot Cross Buns. That's as, as far as you know, your repertoire goes <laughs> on, on the recorder right there. Now, you, you bring up Sut. I mean, he's one, one of the best that there ever is. You know, I was able to do my, my first baseball tonight once upon a time with, with Rick and with Aaron Boone. And, you know, he's just, I mean, as gracious uh, as a, a guy you ever want to meet. You know, he was one of the, the, the people that reached out to me when, when I accepted the position at Marquee Sports Network. What was it like? not only being able to work with him in the past, but now knowing that you're going to be able to work with him in the future. And, and, and what's that back and forth, that daily relationship like between you guys? Yeah. So, I mean, this is, this is our relationship. Nice. I wish that I, you know, like him with his shirt off eating ice cream in the dugout. He he's, he's my dude. He's uh, he's, we like to bust each other's chops. Um, it's, it's a lot of fun to work with him. And he, I know that he's, he's excited that I, um, had this job now. Aaron Boone actually called me. I wish I had video. I should have recorded it, but I, Aaron Boone FaceTimed me. And as soon as it popped up, he was singing go Cubs go. Nice. (laughs) That was was pretty funny. That was pretty funny. Absolutely. What are some of the things that, that you see from this 2021 Cubs team Boog? Because like you said, you know, you've called triple digits Cubs games. You've been at Wrigley field a whole lot recently. And you, you know, you've been able to see, this team, you know these guys. It's Anthony Rizzo, it's Javi Baez, it's Chris Bryant, and they didn't have the normal season that they would have liked to have last year in 2021. You know, hopefully we can get back to some sense of normalcy, and these guys can you know dig back in, settle in, and become their normal selves. I I got to do the playoff series last year against the Marlins, and mm. I, I had them a, a handful of times. I think the thing that was most jarring about the team last year is that a team with Rizzo, Baez, Bryant, Schwarber, Hayward, Hat, and it wasn't a good offensive team. It was a below-average offensive team. That was just weird. It was, it was hard to figure. I still think this can be a good offensive team. They're obviously going to need their, their star players to play like stars, and they're going to need Hat to maintain. And then I think that whether it's this year or going forward, they'll have to figure out some type of power arms in the starting rotation. Cause obviously they traded away the guy who, you know, would, would fit that mold. And now when you're talking about Davies Mills and Hendricks, those guys, I mean, look, Hendricks is magnificent and underrated, but they do it in similar ways. And it is yep. not with the power type stuff that we see dominating in major league baseball these days. So um, but I think that, and, and, the, and the other part that I should say is this, when you think about the 2016 team, the reason that team won is that is one of the best run prevention teams that we've ever seen, mm-hmm. ever. And it's because the mesh of pitching and defense, like you should really be looking at defense the way you think about the NFL, the ability to stop teams yeah. from scoring, the way pitching and defense come together. They have good enough defensive players out there. They got enough good defensive players that they should be able to stop people from scoring, I think, at an above average rate. But the the offense has got to bounce back, and I think it will. Absolutely. Defense and small ball wins ball games from time to time. Stop it with that. You're you're not not a small ball kind of guy, Uh, huh? Gosh. Me and Alex Rodriguez just duke it out over that. No, I'm not a fan. I'm not, I'm not a fan of, I mean, I, in, in certain spots and if you can get a hit, but I, I'm not, I'm not in on trading outs for bases. I am not. 
what about just being able to, to get them on, get them over, get them in? I think, you know, just league-wide, we, we've seen a departure from that in, in no most doubt. recent years. I would just – I think what I would point out is contact rates are at their lowest level, and it's not just because of hitters' approaches. It's because guys throw harder than ever before. Like, fastballs are harder than they've ever been, and sure. they throw fewer than them than ever before. So it's more sliders, harder fastballs, and now we want them to aim where they're going to hit the ball. So I, it's it just it's a challenge. Like these guys are trying their best just to make contact. So I think asking them to make contact and put it in spots is it's for the level of pitching. I think pitching. I think it's as hard to hit right now as it's ever been. Hmm. So I think asking guys to try and to try and put ball Tony Gwynn style in holes it's hard it's hard to ask him to do that so I think that the three run homer is still the most efficient way to score it's just not always especially entertaining because nothing's happening when you're not hitting the home run there's a lot of walks and strikeouts usually that go along with it yeah I like the fact that you bring up guys are throwing harder than ever but they're leaning on a whole bunch of other pitches and you know one guy you just absolutely you know like first pitch like there's no, there's no, here's your OO fastball now. I mean, the only true fastball count nowadays is 3-0. That's yeah. it. It's the only time where you get, where you're getting a fastball. Otherwise it's, it's, it's almost like guys are in chase mode from the beginning. Guys are, are getting sliders that tease the strike zone and break out of the strike zone from pitch one. It's almost like it's already 2-2 the way the at-bat starts. It's just really hard. It's hard to hit. Yeah, it's almost like you, you tell a Hall of Famer that, you know, you're, you're probably not going to see a fastball on an OO count. And then uh, he sees fastball, dead red OO count on a game that you're calling. And he looks back up in the booth at you. I mean, I don't know if that ever happened between so you that, and uh, Larry Jones. Everyone knows him as Chipper. It may have happened. It, it may have happened. So now I want to be clear. I was never <laughs> telling Chipper what to do. I was just asking him why he was doing it the way he was doing it and pointing out that he doesn't get a lot of first pitch strikes but that day in San Diego and it's the camera is you know the way we do it now the camera is more straight over the top so the camera's off that pitch is right it's 91 right down the middle <laughs> he just turns around and looks at me and in the clip there's an extended clip where he says I was thinking about you. He said, you dictated that at bat. I went up there thinking, Chipper said, um, when I was broadcast for the Braves, I went up there thinking about you, and then it just totally screwed my head up, and I just wanted to wring your neck. Yeah, this kind of threw a fly in the ointment, so to speak. But, you know, I was getting ready to go to the fact that you said, you know, these guys, they're throwing buzzsaws all game long, but they're also leaning on those auxiliary pitches. You know, one guy that we just saw – with a change of scenery, you Darvish. I mean, he threw cut fastball almost 50% of the time. If I'm not mistaken, 46% of the time. And that's when we really saw his numbers take off since the last year's all-star break all the way into 2020. You know, Boo, what was your initial reaction when you heard the news that he and Victor Caratini were now members of the San Diego Padres? Yeah, I was surprised. But again, I'm not, you know, I, I know that each team goes through cycles financially and, and, um, you know, the, the, the peak window for this group of players is not now. So I think I, I would also say, say this, I think that, 
I think that if you probably, if you could trade, if you signed a six-year deal to a starting pitcher who's mm-hmm. in his 30s, I think almost every GM, if they had the option to trade the guy three years into the deal, would do it. Like tr- signing okay. a 30-year-old, signing a guy who is 30 or older who gets a six-year deal, if you have a chance to get rid of that, I mean, I don't think it's a sure thing what you Darvish will be this year. I mean, like, I, let me let me turn this around. If if I made you pick it, who will have a better season this year, Kyle Hendricks or you Darvish? I mean, I mean it's, it. yeah, it's 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 tough. Because I mean, Kyle's I, certainly been more consistent. I, I would go with Kyle Hendricks just because consistency, like you said, is it's it's a little bit easier to do when when your pitches aren't as erratic. When when you know that you're going to live on the corners, live you know up and down in the zone, and you're going to keep guys off balance as opposed to just needing to be that dominant arm, that 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 force that that drives what you do, and, and that's what you Darvish has been. And sometimes we we've, we've seen him on, and other times we've seen him off. Whether or not there was someone in the dugout boo banging on a, on a trash can or not, you know, we've seen him falter at times. Yeah. No, and don't get me wrong. I love you, Darvish, and last year he was magnificent. He threw, You mentioned a cut fastball. He also just threw a higher percentage of strikes, and that was a yeah. monster factor in his success. Um, I like him as a pitcher, and I, but I, I'm just saying that from a consistency standpoint, you just don't really know. And I don't think – you know, it. I don't believe that just moving that one guy and all of a sudden, no, no, now this team has no chance. Like, that is not the case. Yeah. But, Boog, why is plain, just regular old black rapper chapstick, why is that your thing? What's, yeah, what's, man. Like, because, what's the deal with that? Is it so before every it, game? I mean, I just – I got tons of it. I, I It's – I don't – do I have one close? I don't know that I have one close enough to me. So I, I just standard classic black chapstick. Uh-huh. I, I'll put it in metaphor form. I, I used to go get coffee when I was at the Marlins with one of the one of the guys, and we go to Starbucks, and I drink my coffee black, and he Ooh. goes to the Fixins bar and loads it up with like you know a pump of vanilla and then sugar and then milk and all. And my point is. Look, if you want ice cream, we can go to Baskin Robbins. If you want coffee, let's get coffee. So, like, if you want a now and later, go get a now and later. But I want chapstick. So, like, if you want cherry or mint or, like, the apple flavors, go ahead and, you know, and get yourself a Jolly Rancher or something. I want chapstick. That's now, what I'm looking for. If there was no original brand chapstick, would you go with, say, perhaps a, a Burt's Beeswax, a original formula, maybe one of the bootleg CVS or, or Walgreens name brands? It's a good question. If it didn't exist, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I don't think I'm prepared to answer that question. I, I haven't contemplated it, but I, I, I reserve the right to, to answer that question at another time. I'm not sure what my answer is. Okay. And is the black coffee thing, is that just a, a quirky thing that play-by-play guys do just to keep them fueled? Because uh, I, I'm a coffee guy. I drink a lot of coffee, but at, at last look, just plain regular black coffee it doesn't taste good. I don't, I don't know who originally yeah. discovered that and said, hey, this is great. Yeah. Let's drink it every day. It tastes good. Oh. I like the way it tastes. Okay. And, and I'll tell you, this is honestly, I mean, now I genuinely like good, bold coffee. I'm a big, I used to like Starbucks French roast, which is like their punch in the face type bold yeah. flavor. So I really like a good dark roast. My thing with coffee, how it evolved was from being a broadcaster. I did not drink coffee 
until I started broadcasting. And when I started broadcasting, I'd go down and I'd get coffee. And if the game got later, there would run out of sugar and they'd run out of creamer. Mm -hmm. So you'd go downstairs for your extra inning cup of coffee and your choice was black coffee or no coffee. So that's how I ended up drinking black coffee. I think both my parents drink black coffee as well, but, but that story is my story. So, okay. So when you're at the house, is it straight, you know, Mr. Coffee coffee maker, or are you, you take it fancy. Do you have like the, the glass, like, yeah, I do. I got to pour it over. I pour it over. I pour, I pour over my coffee every day. It does taste different, though, for those who don't know. They, the guys at Starbucks right next to Wrigley, they actually gave me a tutorial, yeah. and they said, here's the difference. All the oils are kept in. It has yeah. more of a, a tea-like consistency. That's right. I mean, I, I, I snob it out on coffee. I want, I want good coffee in my life. My, my coffee every morning is an, an important experience. Are you, are you French press, too, like, like Gabe Kapler on the road? No, I, no but I, I will tell you, Chris Singleton – who I worked with on the radio for the last 10 years. He's awesome. He used to travel his own French press, which was incredible. So we would have that sometimes in the, uh, in the booth. Um, okay. But I, I don't do the French press at home. I just go straight pour over. But I go with, I get my beans. When I get my beans ground up, I do it for the uh, Turkish filter. That's like the, the finest the finest of the fine. So it's like you can make snowballs with, okay. with the coffee. It, it, it do, is do you get your beans from, uh, from Mocha Joe's or Latte Larry's? So uh, <laughs> I did, but I can name drop. I did get a text from Jeff Garland. Nice. Cubs fan extraordinaire. Fan. Um, I get my coffee from a, a buddy in San Diego. Uh, it's called Monkey and Sons and they make great coffee. So I, I he, he sends me coffee and, I buy my coffee from him. Okay. We got to try Ian Happ and Connect Roasters. They have some uh, coffee for yeah, COVID relief. Yep. It's it's fantastic. I have, I'm actually drinking a cup right now. It's, it's good you stuff. Go. You know, they have all, all different varieties, Ethiopia, Guatemala, Nicaragua. I mean, he's, he's trotting the globe right now. Uh, Ian Happ, that's what he's doing in his off season. He's picking Happy. beans. Yep. Absolutely. All by himself. You know, before we get you out of here, Johnny, you know, just, just a few more quick ones. I know during the shutdown, you were able to call some KBO games. I mean, yeah. and that that provided some sense of normalcy. But, you know, you were doing it from your house, you and Eddie Perez and, you know, and, and, and Carl Ravitch. And it, it was even though it was a, a little bit of the same, it was a whole lot of different. Wow. That I've described that experience. It was like. Log rolling. <laughs> and then every once in a while they throw chainsaws at you and you juggle them. I mean, start with this. We're basically just watching the game on TV. So you have no idea what the next shot is going to be. So you don't know. So they cut this guy, this guy, this guy, and you, you don't know what they're going to show next. It's filtered through a zoom feed the information available isn't great. And then the, my favorite part that happened three times, 10 minutes to air, they would call up and say, okay, so uh, I know we were supposed to do Keaton and the NC Dinos, but that game got rained out. So you're going to end up doing the Lote Giants and the Kia Tigers. And I'm like, I'm going to be doing who against who? Yeah, research be damned, huh? So, you know, look, you, 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 you had to just 
go with it, you know, be comfortable being uncomfortable and just go. And you're getting up at three in the morning for, or two in the morning for a game. And, and I, you know, man's not meant to scream into a microphone at three in the morning over, you know, some ridiculous play, but we, I mean, it, it's memorable. That's for sure. But when you were up though, you had your Turkish filtered coffee though. So you were good, yeah. right? That, that's true. That's, that's, that's true. Now over your left shoulder, I see the, the four ALS uh, little yeah. placard there right underneath the iron horse. And uh, I know that ALS and a lot of things involved. That's, that's a cause that's very close to you. Uh, Boo, why is that? And tell everybody at home. Yeah, I lost my, my friend, Tim Sheed ALS in 2007, buddy that I grew up with, um, Roosevelt Island in New York city. And, and mm. while Tim was still alive, we, we formed this charity and it's designed to raise money to help people living with the disease. The cost is so unbelievable as the disease progresses and uh, the patient loses function and can do less and less. It's amazing how much healthcare doesn't cover. And so, you know, we started back in 2006, Tim played soccer at the university of South Carolina. He got connected with the guys from being the blowfish when he was there and they played our first event. We gave half the money to Tim and his wife, Katie, to help, the two of them financially. And then we put the other into a 501c3 or formed our 501c3. And we've been raising money to help ALS patients ever since. So it's, yeah, it's personal for me. I mean, I advocate for any ALS cause this past year has been a hard year in the ALS community. We lost the two guys that started the ice bucket challenge and Pete Frady's and Pat Quinn. Yeah. And, uh, you know, Vince Scully's wife just passed, uh, from yeah. ALS. So there there's, uh, yeah, there's, it's it's a really brutal brutal disease and uh it's been a personal cause for me and projectmainstreet.org where i grew up roseville island there's one street it's it's main street so that's that's why we named it that well it's great to see that you're championing that cause and uh, there's no doubt about it john you are a class for all seasons and uh we here at marquee sports network and the chicago cubs lucky to have you as the new broadcaster of the Chicago Cubs, man. Uh, th thanks, thanks for stopping by, taking time out. And, and like I said, we're glad to have you in the new role, man. Can't wait to see you in person. Thank you so much for, for having me on, Cole. I appreciate it. Absolutely. We're gonna go out and get something to eat and we're gonna knock down a few adult beverages before this thing gets underway. And I can't wait to sit with you in person. And uh, our time here on this Cubs Weekly Podcast, it has come to a close and it's been brought to you by Trust as always. And don't forget, download and subscribe to the pod on Spotify or Apple Podcasts and do it today. For Boog Shambi, I'm Cole Wright. We'll see you next time right here on the Cubs Weekly Podcast.